it's just having those conversations with the people around us when we see things that are a little bit off and having that awareness. We're also consumed in our own life and we're getting so busy and our attention's just getting zapped away from us everywhere that when I feel like we're just not picking up around us what's really going on in our friend's life and having those conversations that are a bit longer than a few minutes of what's going on or what the what's going on in the footy and just there's so mm. much shallow level stuff. It's about having those conversations with people, putting our phones away. You know, like how are you really doing? And the Hi, I'm Kirsten Leo, and this is the Light Path Podcast, brought to you by thelightpathcollective.com. I am passionate about exploring energetic practices, spiritual principles, healing modalities, and connecting to the experience and wisdom of others to illuminate our paths and live at our greatest capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love. Cooper, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, I'm really thrilled to have you here. I've been following your journey, your work for a little while, and it's just so inspiring. I think it's inspiring for many reasons, but most importantly that you just off your own back felt like, hey, I may not be like the most qualified person in the world, but there is so much I can give to this huge space of mental health and bringing awareness to that. It's just something that I really admired watching you flourishing, to be honest. No, thank you. I appreciate it. It's, um, it's been quite the transition from the world I used to uh, navigate through as a professional surfer, now stepping into a whole new realm. And like you said, not having maybe the qualifications, but I was actually thinking about it yesterday and thinking about this whole day, idea of qualifications and whatnot. Whereas now with the audience I've built and the sort of connector of information, I'd like to say quite often, um, I get hundreds of messages every single day of the impact I'm having. So it's like, there's probably people who are very qualified at what they do that are having maybe not less impact, but definitely not as wide impact. So I'm um, starting to come to terms with the fact that it's okay not having the um, medical qualifications. You don't have to be a mental health professional to talk about mental health and guide people towards um, yeah things that can really improve their quality of life. For sure. And I think people get so hung up on there, but I'm not ready, but I'm not qualified, but who will listen to me? And I think just standing in authenticity, like I just see that you do, just brings so much. But I would love for you to share your journey with us, you know, your story of how is it that you went from this kid on the northern beaches, pro-surfing, living the dream, to doing what you do now, which is really influencing, like you said, and, and helping so many people. Yeah, I guess I'll give you the somewhat elevator story of my life and how I've got to where I am today but and then I'll intertwine why mental health was important along the journey but when I was quite young I lost an uncle to suicide it was something that made me aware of uh, I guess mental illness and Mm. um, people taking their own life so I was exposed to it from a young age and then throughout my teen years uh, I watched my dad struggle a little bit with his mental health from a bit of alcohol addiction um, bits and pieces of depression here and there kind of seeing psychologists and trying to yeah, manage his, um, manage his challenges. So I was always aware of it and it was almost this underlying fear of maybe one day I'll end up down this family history or this fam- mm. family line of mental illness. Um, during that period, throughout my teenage years, I had quite a lot of success as a surfer, which I uh, look back now and realize that sometimes success can really even out our mental health. And I used to base so much of my self-worth and my identity was so wrapped around Cooper, the pro surfer. From when I was at school, I'd get pats on the back. I was doing so well. I was um, Australian champ at 14, representing Australia all around the world throughout high school. So my mental health was pretty good. I went through the obvious challenges as a teenager does, but I felt like I was in a pretty good place. And then 
I got to the international tour of surfing and was ranked about 100th in the world, I guess, for the better part of 10 years throughout my 20s. And I kind of set higher goals than that. I was ranked in the top one or two Australians as a junior and I was kind of expecting to move on to, yeah, follow that path and get to that really top level of surfing in the world, which looking back, I kind of did, but not where I wanted to get. And that made my mental health sort of struggle a bit throughout my early 20s. I was just, yeah, in a weird, dark place when my results started to decline. I really started to feel really badly about myself, but I also had this weird balance of, why do I, I I can't feel bad about myself? Like I'm living this amazing life, traveling the world surfing, but I'm like not feeling good. So it took me a while to understand why that was. And my sports like sports psychologist told me something in my sort of early to mid twenties, and he said you got to stop basing your self worth and your identity around Cooper the pro surfer because you're not going to be a pro surfer forever for one, but you're also not going to achieve the goals that you set out to. Um, at certain stages throughout your career, and that's okay. And he said, I want you to start basing your self-worth and your identity on your values. And he kind of challenged me and said, what are your values? And it was something that I'd never really been asked. And I was like, wow, we, we, we missed so much education at school of these different soft skills and these different things that profoundly impact our lives. So I went throughout my 20s kind of trying to read a lot of books and get into this self-development sphere just to – for one, this fear of mental illness myself. So I was always looking for different things and discovering all these different techniques that were a little bit outside the um, normal prescription we get through the media and whatnot. Um, and then how I got into working in mental health. So then my younger sister came home from school about four years ago now. I was about 25 at the time, still competing, traveling the world. But at the time, I'd lost my sponsor. So I'm working 50 hours a week as a tradesman. So very time poor. I'm working full time. I'm trying to surf on either side of that and train. But my sister came home from school. I've got three sisters and my younger sister was in her last year of high school in year 12. And she said that one of the boys in her year had taken his own life. And I was just like quite frustrated and felt guilty that I'm traveling the world, this amazing life as a pro surfer. And there's kids in my local area that are struggling and kind of like all of us do, you look up a little bit of stats and mm. see how big the problem we have with mental illness is here and um, chuck up an Instagram tile or something and then life goes on. Two weeks later, we came home, we're sitting around the dinner table all together as a family and she said another boy in a year had taken his life. And that was kind of the stage where I was like, you know what, I've learned all this amazing stuff along my journey and so much of it wasn't taught to me at school. Maybe I can go and talk to some of these school kids about my story and they can learn some of the um, – amazing lessons that I've been fortunate enough to learn through great sports psychologists mm. and just my story leading me to developing a pretty decent understanding of my own mental health. So then I just went to an old my old school. I had a good friend who's still a teacher there and said, can I come and talk to some of the kids? And yeah, that was the start of it. And that was, yeah, back in 2019. And at the time I was juggling full-time work and surf career. So it didn't really do much for about 12 months it was just kind of this idea and development towards it and then when COVID hit that was when I really went okay all my surf comps are cancelled let's really try and and I kind of was like off the back of this COVID thing there's going to be a lot big need for mental health how much can mm -hmm. I educate myself really add value to what I'm doing and yeah in the last three years I've been lucky enough to speak to over 30,000 students um, thousands of corporates for big companies all around the country and um yeah, it's kind of, it's my full-time gig now, which is really cool. I transitioned and sort of retired from surfing last year. This has been getting far too busy, but yeah, the impact it's beginning to have and the, um, yeah, that kind of 
purpose I feel like I get to wake up with most days now is, um, yeah, something super special. It is. It's so, it is so special because basically it's really, you're living a life of service and, and allowing your experience to hold others in theirs. I just think it's amazing. Uh, this is going to be off the top of your head. So please be like, tell me to go away if you don't know the answer to this. But what do you have any of statistics lately? Because when I was a teenager in the 90s, um, late 90s, very late 90s, um, you probably weren't even born, but um, what the the only kind of conversation around especially youth suicide was around country kids, that it was something that predominantly was was being shone a light on in the country um, and not so much city kids and I was a city kid. So what, you know, what are the stats out there? Do you know any of them off the back of your head in terms of the, the you know, ultimate impact that mental health is having? Oh, I mean, not amazingly off the top of my head data is starting to come in now for the through the COVID stuff and it's very mm. hard to find what accurate data is but mm. the main one that we really go off is the fact that 20 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness yeah. which is one in five people are going to be diagnosed with a mental illness and then I think it's something like 40 percent um, throughout their life will have some sort of mental illness diagnosis so the thing that I like to talk about though and this is where I come in a little bit different and that's why I feel like I might not be qualified to help that 20%. But I really truly believe that mental health is something that every single one of us has. It's not just something that affects the 20% who really struggle with it. I believe all of us need to do some things for it. So my whole approach is trying to really educate and inspire the 80% plus the other 20% who really are struggling and give them some hope that there is some things that we can do that's yeah generally outside that prescription of um yeah, what we get through the media and through a lot of doctors nowadays, I feel like there's so many things that we're missing in our life from uh, getting enough sunlight, getting enough mm. exercise, eating healthy foods, getting enough sleep. Like there's so many domains that we're missing that I think we need to yeah work on a bit more. So I'm kind of using that and using my um, understanding to spread that message. So just, you know, just like we have conversations, you know, around our physical health with family and friends, I think pretty uh, easily, how is it that we can foster or even bring up the topic of mental health with the people that we are in close connection with without it being a confronting or scary topic? I think the best, the thing that we all need to get better at, and this is something that I'm really working on, is listening without judgment and really having empathy and realising I don't need to understand what someone's going through, but I can just sit here and listen I can try and understand and I can look at it through a bit of a different light. And that's something that I struggle with as well. We always want to fix someone or someone gives us a problem and we can't fix it. And quite often people just need us to sit with them, to listen to what they need to say, to look into their eyes and actually listen. Don't just wait to talk. And so many of us are doing that and I'm a sucker for it. So it's just things that I know that I'm working on um, are a big help. So it's just having those conversations with the people around us when we see things that are a little bit off and having that awareness. We're also consumed in our own life and we're getting so busy and our attention's just getting zapped away from us everywhere that when I feel like we're just not picking up around us what's really going on in our friend's life and having those conversations that are a bit longer than a few minutes of what's going on or what the what's going on in the footy and just there's so mm. much shallow level stuff. It's about having those conversations with people, putting our phones away. You know, like, how are you really doing? And the ones that are a bit scary and we feel a bit embarrassed about, whether it be about our finances, whether it be about our relationships, when we don't talk to anyone about it, that's where it really festers. And I've been really working on that with my partner is 
instead of building up resentment, having a conversation without judgment and trying to build on these things. And yeah, that's, I guess, a couple of tips for me is just to like, let's start, it comes back to us. We have to learn to like listen without judgment. So many of us are wired to do that. But yeah, I think just asking questions and giving space to listen without judgment is a really good start place. Sure, because I mean, we totally want to go into fix it mode because we love them or it makes us feel uncomfortable. So let's just fix it. And I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I talk to in my other kind of life or role, I talk to parents a lot um, about their little ones starting school. And a lot of the big factor there that parents have a real trouble with is uh, managing their children's emotions. And it's and it's so hard just to say to parents, let them have them, just hold space for it. You don't have to fix it or gloss over it because that's just our inclination to either, you know, avoid our own discomfort or to make things better, allowing yeah. it just to be, it is really hard. Absolutely. Sometimes just sitting with something, like we don't always have to be healing. We don't always have to be improving. Mm. Sometimes we need to sit in it. Sometimes we need to actually reflect on why we're feeling this way so we can, make changes and make adjustments in the future when different situations come up. It's all about continuing to learn through life and continuing to reflect on how we're actually feeling. And yeah, there's so many, um, there's so many areas that we can always be improving on, but um, it just takes that reflection and self-awareness. When you're out there speaking to thousands of people, and I love it that you're not just speaking to, you know, kids that are working through so much, you're also speaking to big corp and and people that are out there, you know, trying to live through life and interest rates and all the things. Can you kind of reflect back to us, what generally are people, you know, feeling like, or that you're seeing that people are kind of struggling with now. I think sometimes when you know that there are other people out there struggling with similar things, it can just not make you feel so alone. Have you noticed any kind of particular themes at the moment? I mean, to be honest, I don't work directly one-on-one with anyone for this exact reason that I, mm. I try to avoid because I'm not a healthcare professional. I try to avoid really taking too much on from people, but I have these different communities where I do see different things that people are struggling with and, a lot of it is stuff that's out of our control, which is really sad with interest yeah. rates rising, with the rise of the cost of living, with um, just the segregation we're seeing in community from stuff between like COVID and vaccines and yeah. um, government. And it just feels like we're getting a wedge driven between us. And I think it just needs to come back to community. We need to support each other and support each other through our differences. Um, but yeah, it's so hard. So often these things are out of our control and mm. and we don't like to think that we have control but the more that we can work on the things that we can do how am I showing up to the people around me am I being kind and am I being grateful and I know there's times that are so hard but there's sometimes the days where we need to look for those little things that are going well in our life and we're always comparing across and up to the things and the greater things in life that we can have but quite often we don't stop and not compare across and down, but just actually reflect on how far we've come, the journey we've been on and knowing that you've got through every day of your life until this day, you've got through every other day. Mm. It's going to be all right moving forward. We can always solve um, problems that we come to. And yeah, the next day is always a new day for new opportunities and changes. But yeah, it is hard with obviously a lot of things happening in the world. There's um, a lot of changes, a lot of things that are so volatile, whether it be global politics, um, global warming, financial crisis, there just seems to be things going on. So it's like, what can I do to control my inner world? How can I change the world around me? And what I really try and encourage people to do is just focus on those values. Am I showing up to be kind to myself each day, to be kind to others, be kind to the environment? Am I practicing mindfulness and being present just in my situation that I'm in? Or am I thinking about what's going on in the future, what's going on in the past? 
and just bringing ourselves back to a place of somewhat peace at times throughout our day. I don't know if that kind of answered your question. Yeah, kind of. It kind of leads me to the next question. But I, you've brought it up a couple of times, and I just want to like shamelessly plug here. But in in um, context, you've brought up the concept of values a lot, and I'm big on values. I've actually the Light Path Collective has a self-paced program purely based on how to select your values. And then when you know what your values are, what do you actually do with them? How do you allow them to drive your life? And I think that that comes back to knowing who you are, knowing what's truly at your core important to you. So you can less easily get distracted by all those things, like you say, outside of you that you can control. So if that is something that is speaking to you through this conversation, go over to the pathway um, pathways and look for that values course because unless you know your values like you've kind of said Cooper then you can just be so lost and a leaf in the wind of all these outside influences but you've you've touched on a lot of little tips but I kind of want to get really concise and be like well if I was to improve my physical health I know straight away I've got to eat better I've got to go I've got to move my body I've got to rest all the things can you talk to us about some really practical things that we can do to nurture and look after our inner world, our inner health, um, so that we maybe don't get to the extremes of really damaging our mental health. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll give you just a couple of very simple ones that I encourage my audience and sort of something that the good human factor is known for. And that's um, and it's a great tool for your audience if they want to join. So I have this thing called the 1% Good Club. And I'll tell you why I started. I was lying down two years ago now and I was doing a meditation and I was thinking in my head like oh, I always promote to these students to these corporates how important meditation is you look up any um, basically typing good things for your mental health anywhere and meditation will be in the top two or three things that will come up and I was sitting there going oh surely I need to meditate every day I tell everyone else to but I need the accountability and then I was like surely we can give one percent of our day to our mental health Surely everyone listening right now can agree. Like our mental health is something pretty important to us. We should be able to give 1% of our day to our mental health. So it turns out the 1% of your day is around about 14 minutes. So I was like, all right, we should all be able to do 10 minutes of mindfulness or meditation and then four minutes of gratitude. There's so much great data out there and science now that shows that people who practice gratitude have higher levels of well-being. It's great for autoimmune. It's great for so many things. Um, so I was like, all right, every morning I try and do 10 minutes of meditation Every night I reflect on my day, three things I'm grateful for. It sounds woo-woo and it's one of those things that people like who don't believe it, it won't work for. That's fine. But if you do, it will work for you. We're, we're all it's about all the woo-woo here, so it's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, if anyone wants to so, – so going back to this little 1% idea, I was like I want to create an accountability group. So if people want to get a bit of help with this, then – they can join and I'll send the meditation in the morning. I'll do the gratitudes at night and then they can join a group. So now I've got these group chats on Instagram. There's nine of them with 150 in each group. So there's about 1,300 members from all around the world. And everyone writes their three things they're grateful for in the group chat and everyone gets to read everybody else's gratitudes. So in the last two years, because there's, yeah, every single day people have done it for over 700 days now. I think there's been close to 400,000 gratitudes written in from strangers all around the world. And just the impact of that, I've seen anecdotally and from people writing in testimonials about the impact it's had. Um, it's a good starting point to go, all right, I'll click on the meditation each morning, find 10 minutes for myself. And if anyone's out there going, I don't have 10 minutes a day, go look at your screen time on your phone and then tell me that you don't have 10 minutes a day. Um, 
And then at night, you're going to be on your phone anyway, most of us. You probably go on Instagram for a few minutes. A notification pops up with three things I'm grateful for and then 100 other people, and you write your three, and it's just, um, yeah, it's a positive little start. So they're two simple values like mindfulness, meditation, and gratitude that we can all add pretty easily and a resource and a tool that you can all use. It's completely free as well. If you wanted to join those group chats, um, you can just send at the Good Human Factory at DM on Instagram saying, I want to join the club, and I'll add you in. So that's a pretty easy one. And then I'll give you one more that can like help that sometimes we all need this reminder. It's just kindness. Kindness is something that we mm. all know it's good and it feels good, but there's so much great data and science that shows that people who are more kind and practice more kindness rate higher on wellbeing scales. And there was a time where I learned this for the, um, I kind of got exposed to this. I was in Japan and I was there for a surf comp and me and a few of my friends all lost in the first round and were all pretty disappointed in the result. And, well, like, what are we going to do to make ourselves feel better? And one of the boys was like, oh, let's get the train to Tokyo. We'll go buy some stuff. We'll go on a bit of a shopping day. That'll make us feel better. So we're like, sweet, we did that, feeling a bit better. And then that night we came home and we're having dinner at a sushi restaurant. The guy sitting making our sushi was having a bit of a chat to us while he was cooking. And he said, how's your day? And I was like, oh, we lost in the surf comp. We're pretty disappointed. But then we went to Tokyo and we bought some stuff and we had a bit of a better day. And he said something that stuck with me forever. He goes, oh, you guys have got it all wrong. I said, what do you mean? He said, you guys say when you're having a bad day in the Western societies, go and buy yourself something. That'll make you feel good. And then he was like, what we say here in my family and in my culture is when you're having a bad day, go and do something nice for somebody else. That'll actually make you feel good. And we're fighting the biggest uphill battle in society nowadays. We're getting marketed thousands of times a day. We've never been bombarded with this sort of psychology that tells you you need this to be happy. You need to buy this product to be happy. You need to consume this to be happy. It's all wrong. Once we start to take that control back and start questioning and living to our values and going, oh, wait, I can be happy and feel good about myself by practicing kindness, mindfulness, gratitude. And all the data shows this too, but there's just no one trying to force it down our face with marketing all day, every day, because no one's profiting off it. So take back your power, practice those easy values. And yeah, there's hopefully a few little tips that people can take away. Oh my God. I love both of those things. Um, so amazing. And you just touched on it, but before you go, can you just quickly let us know what the Good Human Factory is all about and then also where we can find and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So the Good Human Factory, as you've kind of learned throughout my story, is um what I do now full-time. So the whole reason behind the Good Human Factory now is just connecting curious minds with simple mental health strategies. And we do that in various ways. I run um, workshops with schools and corporates, you can find all that on the website, thegoodhumanfactory.com. Um, also, I have a podcast called Good Humans with Cooper Chapman, which um, yeah, has been a big platform for me to share stories with incredible people, learn from them and connect my audience with different skills that they've learned along their journey. So you can find that um, on all podcast platforms. What else? I do merchandise with the Good Human Factory, trying to spread positive messages, um, just to have items that, create conversations that are positive and not always about the having to open up and speak about mental health. I wanted to come from the really positive angle and give people those um, little soft messages that can brighten up our day. Um, and then, yeah, the community, the 1% community, that's another beautiful place over on Instagram. If you want to learn more about what we do there, um, yeah, you can find that on our Instagram page, but yeah, it's been fun building it. I do everything completely myself as well. So like I host my podcast, I edit my podcast. I do, I, get all the merch obviously printed, but I designed it all. I um, do all the packing, do all the sending out and yeah, do all the workshops and stuff myself. So yeah, 
if you go check out anything, it's all been done by me. So appreciate the support wherever anyone can, um, yeah, support. You are an absolute powerhouse. All those links will be in the show notes. So go follow him, support him, because what you're doing is, yeah, of course, it's really important. But um, the fact that you're so young and you're out there and you're building something that means so much to people, I'm just in complete awe of you. And I love watching your journey and following along. So thank you for sharing you with everything that you do in creating this space. And really, I just can't encourage you guys enough, go and follow this work and support this work, because ultimately, it really will affect and help all of us sometimes more intensely than others but go follow along. Cooper, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are. So thank you for the time today to chat to us, to bring awareness to this and for bringing such a positive light to this really important aspect of our lives. No, no worries. Thank you so much for having me and give me a platform to share a bit more about my story. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Light Path Podcast. I hope that the information shared here has helped illuminate your path. Be sure to check out the show notes for links related to this episode. While you're there, remember to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. I'm Kirsten Leo, and I can't wait to explore and expand our capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love together in the next episode.